Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Karen Can Radio Show. The intention of this show is to empower and inspire you to manifest the life of your dreams, whether it's radiant health, prosperity, loving relationships, or simply peace of mind. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. And today with me, my special guest is Anadea Judith. Now, Anadea doesn't know this, but uh, for approximately five years, I took a class called the Personal Transformation Class with my teacher, Pat Jones, who is um, the creator of Healing Adventures. And we use Anadea's book, which is... um, uh, Western, uh, sorry, Eastern Body, Western Mind, uh, to learn about the chakra system and to learn about the various developmental stages of ourselves. And it was such an amazing, amazing book. And I know um, if Pat was on the show today, um, she wanted me to share with Anadea, thank you, you know, for because we use it as a textbook, as our foundation. Um, and uh, we so, so appreciate the work that she's been doing for all these years. Let me tell you a little bit about Anadea and why I wanted her on the show today. She's a world-renowned workshop leader who's been writing about the chakra system in a way that the average person can understand, like myself. And I'm Western-trained. You know, I've got this Western medical mind. So I love the way she writes. Um, she has a background in psychology, so I think I really connect with her as well there because I really love psychology, and I would have been a psychologist if it wasn't for you know deciding to go into uh, medical school instead. Um, she's the author of a new book called The Global Heart Awakens, Humanity's Rite of Passage from the Love of Power to the Power of Love. And I think um, this edition of the book is something we really, really need right now because many people are – uh, in, in in their perception, suffering, um, they feel there's a lot of negativity going on. You know, there's genetically modified foods, the government's shutting down, there's, you know, all this uh, death and destruction and wars and all this kind of stuff. And sometimes we don't um, understand that there's a whole perception, a whole way of looking at the world in um, a global way that doesn't make us feel like completely anxious and feel like, oh, we might as well just like quit now, like humanity just quit. <laughs> so I think that Anadea's book is really timely because we really need this. We need this vision. We need this understanding of how this fits into not our, just our personal development, but also the global development of all of us, you know, going through the chakras and the whole world development. Uh, so I'm really excited to have her on the show. Thank you, Anadea, for joining us today. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm delighted to be here. Okay. Well, Anadea, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became an author. First of all, uh, where you started off, was it psychology that you started off with or you kind of moved through different um, specialties? Well, psychology was definitely my first love. Um, When I was in high school, I went to the local junior college at night so that I could get ahead studying psychology. Even before I graduated high school, I was so anxious to get going on my courses. And so that was really my first love. Then I kind of took a turn into art for a while because I got sort of disgusted with what they were teaching in school about psychology. That was back in the days of behaviorism, 
you know, Skinner and Pavlov's dog and, you know, all that classical conditioning. And I went, this is not what makes people tick. So I kind of went into (laughs) art. And uh, in my art, I realized that the more I did with my own consciousness, the better my art became. So that Mm. compelled me to start meditation and yoga and, um, you know, a lot of clearing of my diet and giving up of things back at that time. I actually smoked cigarettes back in college like everybody did, but I I quit that, you know, 40 years ago. Um, (laughs) And uh, that got me into the more mystical aspects and discovery of the the, uh, chakras. That was discovered in 75 for me. I discovered that reading a book by Ramdas actually and when as soon as I read the word it just like a shot of energy went through my system and I knew that I'd found my life path a very amazing experience but the writing was actually when I was sitting in meditation during that time and I had a vision and I was kind of floating up above my body and I looked down and sitting in my lap was a book on the chakras written by me and oh, wow. so I went that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> that is incredible. That is really, really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you are for welcome. people that are for, for people that are calling in, I'm uh, interviewing Anadea Judith, the author of The Global Heart Awakens: Humanity's Rite of Passage from the Love of Power to the Power of Love. And if you'd like to ask Anadea a question, you can call in live at eight one eight. Again, that number is 818-514-1190. Just hit one, so I know that your hand is up and you want to ask her a question. So, Anadea, how come come you wrote this book, this this particular book? (laughs) Uh, The Global Heart Awakens, the most recent one? Yes. Yeah. Well, as I was writing, it goes back actually to the former books, as I was writing Eastern Body, Western Mind, I was writing about, as you know, because you read that one, the psychological Mm -hmm. developmental aspects of the chakras and how our personal development goes in a kind of chakra order as we grow up from birth to adulthood and and beyond. And as I've always been a student of history as well and social structures and mythology and goddess culture, and so as I was writing that, I realized that this applies to the evolution of culture as well. And mm. so that was the beginning of um, the Global Heart Awakens. And in fact, the very last chapter in Wheels of Life is called Chakras and Evolution. And I saw that pattern even when I wrote Wheels of Life, which came out 26 years ago. So I spent probably 10 years researching the Global Heart Awakens book because it does have a lot of history in it. And, you know, following the pattern of the chakras through human history to come to the conclusion that right now we are transitioning into an age of the heart from an age dominated and ruled and controlled and organized by power. And that's how I'm naming the shift that we all know we're in. And what compelled me to write it is that we need a guiding vision as we go through this transformation or we're not going to make it. Right, absolutely. And so, you know, what's your advice for people who are feeling this incredible amount of of stress and despair and, um, you know, just just feeling like everything's going to, quote-unquote, a hell in a hand basket? (laughs) Right, right. 
Well, to regard it as an initiation. It's humanity's initiation. Uh, the subtitle of the book is Humanity's Initiation from the Love of Power to the Power of Love. And every initiation is difficult. And every initiation is painful. We're really giving birth to a new era. And the generation that is alive now, you know, I mean, all the people that are alive now, we're the ones that are going to be midwifing this birth or giving this birth. And we all know that, you know, when a woman goes into birth, the contractions are quite painful. If she Mm -hmm. didn't know that she was giving birth to something and she felt those contractions, she'd think she was dying. (laughs) And if you told her that, you know, a little eight or nine pound baby is going to come out of incredibly small opening, she'd think she was dying. (laughs) You know, so (laughs) we are birthing something that may seem impossible. It may seem like, where is this going to come from? But it has been growing. The groundswell has been going. And as the old world starts to fracture and fall apart, there's nothing that's going to stop it. It's going to come. It's Mm. just it's a painful process. Right. So uh, what I'm hearing is that this, this, um, this process is a necessary process of our evolution. We can't necessarily just go from, you know, wow, you know, things are smooth sailing and we're just going to evolve, you know, everything's going to be nice and clean. But it sounds like that breaking down of the old, like almost like, you know, bacteria digesting, sorry for the, for those of you not in medicine, um, <laughs> for, you know, bacteria digesting a dead body, you know, just like disintegrating back into the earth, the old stuff, so that new things can grow, the flowers, the trees, you know, from, from the earth, Um it sounds like a very necessary, although, like you said, painful process. And it's painful only if we hold on to the old. We have to remember that in every contraction, while something is is contracting, and that contraction could be the economy, it could be oil prices going up, it could be jobs going down, it's actually forcing a reorganization and an opening on another side. So, you know, when you talk about this decay, we can look at it as the transformation of a caterpillar to a butterfly. And we know that when that happens, uh, the imaginal cells that are the future butterfly, they begin to awaken in the caterpillar body. And the caterpillar initially attacks them because they're so different. But they appear anyway, and they appear in greater numbers, and they start to find each other and organize And when they do, that's when the caterpillar body dissolves into a nutritious soup to fill the wings of the butterfly. So we don't need to prop up the caterpillar. We need to just let it go and keep connecting with our imaginal cells. That's even what biologists call it, the imaginal cells. And, Mm. you know, we might be healing imaginal cells or artistic imaginal cells or, you know, whatever our, our, our... thing is green energy and as we find other people of like mind and heart the imaginal body gets stronger and stronger and so that's really what we need to do is put our energy into what we're creating and not try and prop up the old system right instead of trying to fix what's wrong Mm -hmm. with the old but really just creating a new from a completely new perspective that's right and it seems like the pain that we, uh, and this is in our personal lives as well, as we've all had this, but the pain seems to be related to the resistance <laughs> for the change rather than just, you know, um, being able to go, oh, wow, okay, 
this change is happening, it's uncomfortable, and now what do I do? You know, we we tend to kind of resist it and want it to go back. And I know my patients have the, you know, they say, Dr. Karen, you know, I, I just want to be back to where I was. And, you know, I hate to, it's like I hate to break it to you, but that's not going to happen. You know, yeah. you've grown beyond that, that you can't go back to that place where you're hiding under, you know, a rock and you don't know about certain things because now you do. You know, it's part of the healing, part of your personal healing. So sometimes it's kind of hard to communicate it to my patients until they kind of get the gist of it. Like they, they realize that, you know, as, as they keep growing and letting go of, of the old that, wow, okay, this is really cool. You know, this next piece is really cool, and they're learning more and developing more. So, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes it easier to tolerate if you have a perspective on it. So, you know, I used to be a psychotherapist, too. I spent 20 years sitting in that chair, and, you know, when people were really going through something that seemed so bleak, I'd say, well, you're at an initiation. It has a beginning and a middle and an end, so let's see what it's trying to awaken in you. Because the purpose of initiation is to awaken, to awaken powers that are latent or asleep. And uh, now it's trying to awaken powers in humanity. And I think the greatest power in humanity that we haven't tapped yet is cooperation. Mm -hmm. When we start to pool our resources, when we start to really cooperate with each other, we can create anything. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And the problems uh on our right now can only be solved by cooperation. So they're actually the perfect problems to force us to overcome this culture of separateness and start to work together because we won't survive unless we do. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And, and I, I think it's great that we can see it uh, in the macrocosm of what you're talking about in your book, The Global Heart Awakens, um, of, of this global initiation and also in the microcosm of our everyday lives of all these, you know, little things that come up that challenge us. So uh, as one of my other teachers used to say, um, you can have, uh, you know, an obstacle um, and it can be bigger than you or you can grow bigger than the obstacle. And so that's, you know, what the, the calling seems to be. Um, and exactly. for those of you, yes, thank you. And for those of you just joining us, I'm interviewing author and workshop leader, expert in the chakras, Amadea Judith. She has a wonderful new book out uh, that's uh, out uh, for a month or so now. It's uh, The Global Heart Awakens, Humanity's Rite of Passage from the Love of Power to the Power of Love. And if you'd like to ask Anadea a question, don't be shy. You can call in. The number to call in is 818-514-1190. Again, the number is 818-514-1190. And just hit one so that I know you have your hand up and you would like to ask her a question. So, Anadea, what can people um, do, be, have in order for them to ease and help to kind of midwife this or usher in this new era um, in their daily lives? Like what kind of, kind of practical things can they do? Right. Well, collectively, I think we're here to make heaven on earth. We're here to create that. And so in our personal lives, what we can look at is how can I make anything around me a little more heavenly? How can I make my relationship a little more heavenly? How can I make my workplace a little more heavenly? Maybe it's just bringing flowers and putting it on somebody's desk. How can I make my community, my neighborhood a little more heavenly? How can I make it a little nicer for the person packing my groceries in the grocery line 
to just stay ho- say hello and honor her for the hours she's putting in standing on her feet, make a joke or compliment her on what she's wearing. You know, how can we just begin to make life a little better all around us? I love that, and that it, it's so simple as well, just uh, for us to pay attention to all those little things. Sometimes, and I know for me that's the case, I kind of get locked up in my little you know, room with my computer, <laughs> you know? uh, doing work on the computer, and then, you know, it's it's like the that uh, that extra, you know, step to actually connect, you know, connect human to human. Sometimes I have connect to remind myself. Connect human to human. I mean, this awakening mm-hmm. of the heart does start with our own heart. You know, it starts with connecting with the self and healing the wounds. The Sanskrit name of the heart chakra is anahata, which means unstruck or unhurt. And so, to me, it means that you also heal the hurts that you have sustained in your life. And I know from my years as a psychotherapist that when people heal those wounds, the heart naturally opens and they become more loving. Um, You're a healer, too. You must also notice that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, in fact, uh, the more recent work I've I've been doing is... um uh, working on what uh, Dr. Bradley Nelson, who I interviewed previously on the show, talks about is heart walls, these you know, you know, emotional um, coverings that we have over our heart that prevent our heart from fully radiating the brilliance we are and also be able you know, to um, remove this wall so we can also create what we want rather than through this distortion of what we, you know, what we say we want, and it goes through this distorted wall. And so I really noticed a literal, you know, physical uh, change in my life after doing this work. And because um, I always, you know, a lot many people in our line, you know, including yoga teachers and Reiki masters, and you know, all sorts of healers talk about heart opening, heart opening, heart opening. But um, for me, it was really profound to to really. Uh, feel the difference because my life really shifted, you know, after I, I did that kind of heart opening work. So it's great to hear, you know, that uh, that you, know, you feel you know similar that this is the kind of work that we all can can do if we want to do it. Yeah, I mean, awakening the heart is awakening to a higher organizing principle, a higher center. And if you can feel how your own life really shifted when you did that, imagine how the whole world should, would shift if we went to that as a cultural organizing principle. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Huge, huge, huge. Well, I'd like to ask you a little bit about um, there um, in in your well, in multiple books, but in this particular book, I really enjoyed the description and explanation about you know the feminine centered, masculine centered. Now we're getting to this balanced masculine, feminine cultural identity, so to speak. So, can you speak a little bit about you know our past and you know, current <laughs> energetics and how the masculine feminine energies play in our development? Yeah, absolutely. So as I studied history, and I went back farther than most people go into prehistory, um, you know, I realized that humanity had a mother. You know, it's like we are a client. If we were a client in crisis, we'd have to mitigate the crisis, but also ask, how did you get into that? And any good therapist would say, well, tell me about your mother. And if we were asking the culture that, most people would say, well, I didn't have a mother. You know, no goddess was ever mentioned in my growing up. So we did have a mother, and it was Mother Nature, and that represented the static feminine. Static because it goes around and around and it cycles without much change, but it's also nourishing and sustaining, and we were nourished essentially on the breast of the mother. 
But then as every child goes through their terrible twos, so did the culture, uh, we came to a stage where we rebelled against the mother. The masculine rose up, plowed the goddess culture underground, basically destroyed Mm -hmm. it, stood on its head and declared a new order, and that was of masculine dominance. And, you know, each of these has both good and bad qualities. The good quality is that it amassed more people under huge empires, so we were starting to get along with each other in bigger numbers. The bad news is it was aggressive and dominating and one-sided. But it was a historical shift. And then after the masculine really seized power, it held that power through law and order. It institutionalized it. And it really became the norm, and that was up through Christianity and the Roman Empire and the, um, you know, the discovery of science and the Enlightenment period. All of this was really based on a masculine foundation. And as we know, we've been in a culture, at least Western culture, and really much of the rest of the world, that is ruled by a kind of patriarchy or masculine dominance up until, well, obviously it's still going on, but it's very recently that the fourth dynamic, which is the dynamic feminine, has risen up, and that's everything from the return of feminism to discover of, discovery of nonlinear dynamics in, in science to, mm. um, you know, the Internet and that's giving us image instead of just the written word. I mean, there's many, many aspects. And what we finally have now with this dynamic feminine is we have all four valences, both static and dynamic, of the masculine and feminine. And now that we have all four points, we can work together in a mature partnership between masculine and feminine. So it's not about women taking over and ruling. It's about women being brought up to an equal status so that we can have a true partnership society. And that's another aspect of getting to an era of the heart. Mm, I see. Well, and it seems to me that um, there, you know, the old, you know, the old institutions, that kind of thing. There's a lot of fear uh, that somehow the masculine will be emasculated <laughs> when that dynamic fem- feminine, you know, comes to play or comes for partnership. But what you're saying is that, if anything, um, it's going to be helpful to the masculine. It's going to be absolutely. I mean, it takes right. away some of the brutal competition between men. It takes some of the pressure off men to supply everything and to be strong all the time. It gives more power to women. It brings not just women up the scale, but it also brings feminine values into the culture, the values of yin, of contemplation, mm. of relationship, of nurturance, of beauty. These are things that haven't, don't have a high value in the culture, and they're sorely missing. Yes, I agree. As uh, as I hear about uh, schools um, canceling their art programs and their music programs because they can't, quote-unquote, afford them. Right. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, leaning towards, you know, spending the money on science and reading and all this left-brain uh, masculine pursuits. And even myself, um, having gone through medical school, uh, I pretty much had to function as a man. <laughs> I mean, in many aspects, um, you know, if if there was a criticism uh, of me from you know others and teachers was that I wasn't tough enough, you know that yeah. I was too sensitive, too sensitive, and you know too feeling for the patients, and you know not scientific enough, and that kind of stuff. So you know I was really 
discouraged from being that feminine who who I really was. And so I even tried to be more masculine, even when I went and built my house, which then I ended up completely burning out my adrenals. I mean, I was trying to be a mountain woman. I was trying to be somebody like a guy, <laughs> you know, cutting wood and hewing logs. And So uh, I, I always joke now, Anadeus, that uh, I am a princess. <laughs> and I fully admit that I would rather sing and dance than uh, cut wood. <laughs> um, you know, owning owning that feminine. So it's kind of cool just to just to hear how, you know, the culture is just coming, you know, full circle back around and to to balance the masculine and feminine energies. Very neat. I yeah, love you reading sound a lot like me. I also, you know, lived in the woods and cut my own wood <laughs> and did all that too and I'm not doing that now. But when women try to compete in a man's world, which we have to do in order to survive if we want to have a career or make a living we don't have the testosterone that men have, so we do it from our adrenal glands. Mm. And that's what we use to kind of replace the testosterone to keep going like that. And it's not natural to our bodies. And a lot of women get adrenal exhaustion. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, our institutions, and especially the academic ones, are heavily founded on static masculine principles you know, uh, distinctions and memorization and the science and the, you know, the clinical detachment and the logic and the reasoning. And all our educational systems are founded on that. And as you say, they're sorely missing, you know, emotional intelligence that like Daniel Goldman wrote about. And we're paying the price as we see kids growing up and being violent and entering gangs and being lost and you know, getting overweight and using drugs. And, you know, we're missing that because we aren't educating the rest of their soul. Right. Yes, like, like you know, treating ha- half of them and, and not the other half. Um, exactly. Right. And I, I remember, and uh, I think this is biochemistry, this wasn't even in med school yet, I, we had to give presentations. And, and the, the negative comment from one of the professors was, you're too anecdotal, you tell too many stories. <laughs> And I thought, you know, I was trying to correct all that, you know, throughout my medical career and everything. And then now I come full circle and go, wow, that's what people actually like to hear. <laughs> the story. Because <laughs> it makes them remember the facts. <laughs> and people want a doctor that will relate to them, that will listen to their story, that will relate to them as a human being and the emotional aspect of their suffering and not just, you know, a, a set of clinical tests. Yeah, yeah, and and the cool thing is just uh, seeing that more and more guys, you know, are are wanting that as well, not just the women, um, and mm-hmm. the children that are, you know, late teens, early twenties. Um, they call them indigo kids or um, crystal indigo crystal kids. These kids I connect with very very well, and so they naturally have that, you know, masculine feminine parts in them, and they're they're not happy with the masculine status quo, even the guys. They just don't feel comfortable in it. Uh, it doesn't resonate with them. Naturally, you know, they want that balance, and it's just so cool, you know, to work with these, you know, new kids. Because <laughs> um, yes. I think they're really going to help us, uh, the whole culture, you know, shift, because uh, they're pretty powerful. They show us a um, bit of what is um Mm-hmm. Mhm. Exactly. Well, Anna Dad, in the couple of minutes we have left, I want to make sure people know how to connect with you. Um, you know where they can purchase your books and and any anything that's coming up for you, any workshops or anything that um, you're uh, looking forward to uh, creating in the near future. Yes. Well, my main website is sacredcenters.com, and that's centers plural. 
spelled the uh, American way, C-E-N-T-E-R-S. And I do have um, some workshops coming up. I will be at Kripalu Yoga Center teaching for two weeks, two five-day workshops. One is a chakra yoga teacher training. So if you teach yoga and you want to know how to bring the chakras more into your teaching, this is the course for you. The other one is a course for healing called Techniques of Mind-Body Integration, and it's basically a somatic therapy or body-based psychotherapy course, bioenergetics, and that's um, the first week in November. And I will be in Austin, Texas for my basic chakra weekend in the middle of November, and I've got some stuff coming up in San Francisco on various weekends since I'm on the West Coast. That's local. Oh, right. And you can find all that out on my website. So sacredcenters.com, correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay, that's perfect. Well, and then we have a just – sorry, go ahead. You can find all my books there, some free videos, online classes. There's a lot of free stuff I do. There's, you know, classes you can sign up for, download packages, lots of things on that website, lots of free information. Oh, fantastic. I know there's a lot of interest of, of uh, you know, people people that weren't necessarily, you know, New Age or woo-woo, um, but they're, you know, hearing about the chakras, they're hearing about, you know, energy medicine and healing and and so there's a lot more interest now than there was like 10 years ago so it's kind of exciting and thank you for you know having your site as a resource and also for um you know for being a leader one of our one of our teachers to to help us uh, you know integrate all this in in a meaningful way we really appreciate you being on the show today Anadea. thank you thank you for your work dr karen and um, thanks for the opportunity to share with your audience, and I hope that we can create this world together. Absolutely. All right. Well, have a fabulous day, and everyone listening in, thank you so much for joining us. Bye for now. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.